welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here with Father Chuck. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I'm, uh, now that I'm making guest appearances on other podcasts, I'm above oh, this stuff. Oh, don't even, uh, and I'm also here with Matt Wells, who would probably be <laughs> way more humble. <laughs> he cheated on us with another podcast. <laughs> his, uh, his coffee house friends. <laughs> I uh, I actually may have also been cheating uh, the past couple of weeks. Oh yeah, are you are you are, are you making appearances on other podcasts? Does, does that does that explain <laughs> does that explain the major enthusiasm with which you just introduced us with the Masters of Divinity? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess we're doing this crap tonight. Yeah, welcome to the Masters of Divinity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know. I was, I, 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 <laughs> I thought it was very enthusiastic, but but thank you. Matt. Thanks for coming <laughs> back. Sure. It's great. Really glad you're glad you're here. Just just being uh, more humble for you. <laughs> wow, two years into a relationship, and this is what happens. It's like the the fire is gone. We're just always arguing, or oh, we're, we're distrustful of each other. What's happened to us, guys? What's 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 going on? <laughs> I, I have to say. By the way, by the way, happy two year anniversary. To 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 do the deuce the deuce anniversary. <laughs> Um, I have to say, um, no, no, and no, 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 I hope there's no intended offense from anyone from the Coffee Life podcast who may have migrated over to, to listening to this or Sean or any of those folks. But I did the episode, I did that episode with the Coffee Life podcast, which I talked about on our Instagram. And, um, and if you, if you, if you're just now learning about it, check it out. Coffee Life podcast, episode 11 and 12, um, 12 not out yet. Um, but I am on both. Um, with a group of uh, other pastors, but it was um, it after after recording it, I listened to our I was listening to our most recent episode, and it was like I felt I felt that there's definitely a different kind of energy with our podcast <laughs> than with that podcast, and maybe it was because I was a guest. Um, yeah, and as far as I could tell. Sean has this podcast, has Copy Life, Sean, um, our friend, and I, you know, I, I have this one, and the other guys did not, as far as I could tell, do not have podcasts, and it took a lot for me to not just, like, <laughs> slip into moderator mode and just to try to be, like... It must have been. I, I, I listened to that podcast, so I'm like, wow, Chuck is... He's really holding back, <laughs> restraining himself. Very- well, you know, we were—I was trying to be polite, trying to be polite with everybody. Yeah. And we were all trying to unlike, be polite. Nobody was answering. It was kind of funny. Yeah, unlike the Canadian. unlike the comfort the comfort level we have here, where Chuck just takes over from JP all the time. It's true. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it's great. It's nice. Well, I mean, you know, I but, I acknowledge that there is a bit of a narcissism in me, so. It's a bit. It, there's a bit of it in all of us. That's why we're even doing this, right? That's true. Um, it's a good podcast. Uh, I, I, ju- I I enjoyed it. I dug it. I recommend everyone uh, who listens to our podcast to go over there and listen. Um, some good discussion going on, and I I kind of like Sean's uh, tactic of not revealing everyone's occupation uh, as you talk about this very uh, divisive topic. Uh, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I will tell you that um, the, the the last bit of the second episode is when we finally reveal it. And um, okay. I, 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 I take the opportunity to make a possibly ill-timed joke. So, <laughs> <laughs> In true Masters of Divinity fashion. Yes. 
nothing says Masters of Divinity better than putting your foot in your mouth. That's how it works. <laughs> oh, I don't think it, it, it wasn't foot in my mouth. There's a, I hope not, but it was, it, it's something. I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you guys, I, you can, if you want, I'll spoil the joke for you some other time. Okay. <laughs> or you can wait well, uh, it has officially been two years, not to the date. I'm pretty sure we've missed the date, uh, but it's been roughly two years. And uh, just as sort of a uh, recognition or as a throwback, I celebrate all these, uh, uh, these two years together as a podcast. Uh, we're going to do this episode sort of like in the spirit of our very first episode, which was uh, when we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> uh, we literally just said, let's do a podcast. We met up. We talked a little bit. Just fired up the recorder on GarageBand. And we just went. <laughs> we did. And then I just I, I, I went to Birth Movies Death to look for a, a topic. And I found the topic of uh, an R-rated cut of Batman vs. Superman coming to Blu-ray and how that was sort of controversial among some fan circles and stuff. And that pretty much spawned the entire podcast when you think about it. Um, just sorry, as an, as an aside, I'm looking up the um, I'm looking up the, the, the first episodes on our um, iTunes page, and yeah. um, we are actually um, celebrating. Um, hey, there's Bill. There he is dancing around in the background. Sorry, <laughs> he is dancing around. We are in the. <laughs> oh, that's it. There's uh, yeah, the, it, it puts the lotion on the skin. There we are. Sorry, guys. Okay. JP is Matt and I are fascinated. JP has. Um, this is great. He has uh, he has Sounds of the Lambs playing on a TV in the background, and we can watch it. And there's Buffalo Bill just dancing around. All right, sorry. That's just you. I thought that was, we were past that. Part. You thought we were past it. No, I told you if it was going to be on there, I was going to catch it. I thought we were past so many things, guys. But. So anyway, um, we are we are celebrating today as of our recording here on. on Do I leave that in? Because that's really funny. No, yeah, you totally leave that in. Uh, but March 23rd, the day that we're recording is uh, marking um, uh, two years from um, our fourth and fifth episodes, which were published on March 21st, 2016. Our actual first episode was February 29th. It was a leap year episode. Oh, okay. Leap day. Oh, that's right. Leap that's day. right. The big joke is that we can never actually have an anniversary. <laughs> right. We're timeless. So, right. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so we're going to sort of, I guess, do an episode in, in that fashion and that spirit. Uh, but um, Matt also brought up a pretty interesting topic in our in our, our group chat. Uh, Matt, is there any, is there anything you want to share? Um, <laughs> do you, you want to share? Is, this is very much like our first episode already. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Matt brought up a very interesting topic. Would you like to share? No, <laughs> okay. no, I, I wouldn't. Let's just move on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I was driving to work this morning and listening to one of my many other favorite podcasts that I enjoy listening to. It was hot. Well, that was interesting. I'm getting Facebook messages. Sorry. You're buzzing, buzzing over me now. Are you gonna, you gonna, gonna just, <laughs> Incorrect. Edit Incorrect. me out. The buzzer on every time I speak. Fine. <laughs> driving to work and I'm listening to one of my other podcasts I enjoy, which is Harmontown. We've talked about it several times. Never heard and, of it. Dan Harmon is a guy who I desperately feel like we need to talk to somehow because 
who who fits our style of conversation better than him honestly like oh, totally it's just a, it, it, the the world's mesh in a, a way that just doesn't even make sense so i feel like somehow we got we got to wind up having a conversation with this guy but if only he, I, I wonder i do wonder if i could just like if i just send out something you'd probably yeah just, yeah just for, no, just for maybe kicks. i feel like you would i don't know Maybe like this part of this episode, because I feel like we, he needs to have us on to have a discussion about this topic, because yeah. he brings up God all the time. Um, and right. he had a guest on and he was talking about how he's going to therapy. And the conversation started about how he's like at a weird point in his life where he's having trouble writing because he doesn't want to be doing the work that he's doing anymore because it makes him depressed sometimes. Um, and then well, he just doesn't like it period. <laughs> right. Like he just can't wait yeah. to be done. And then he had his friend on the show, Rob Schraub, if you want to call him a friend, it's very confusing. The relationship is so much fun. Um, for those, but, for those of you who are, for those of you who are, who are nerds out there, part of the elite, Rob Schraub is the creator of, uh, Scud, the disposable assassin. Oh, back in those. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. But he said that he's basically going through the same thing because he does not have a job currently that he's working on. And he's kind of facing the same emotions Dan Harmon is facing because he's got nothing. And then Dan Harmon was talking about his girlfriend who's going through the same kind of things because she finished the job that she's working on. And after working on it so long, she's going through kind of the same emotions because she no longer has it. So they're saying how they kind of cover the whole spectrum of like the guy who doesn't have the job, the guy in the middle of the job and the one who just finished and how all of them feel the same way about it. But then he said that talking to his therapist, the realization he came to is that he he's afraid of getting to the place where he won't have anything left to do and he'll be forced to finally confront a relationship with God. Because he said he believes in a God who, um, to use his words, he believes in a God who made his sister retarded and will give you leukemia because he's bored. Right. Um, And he's like, and I'm afraid of that God. And I am afraid of when I have to have to meet and confront the fact that there needs to be a relationship there. Um, And I couldn't help but be like. Those are the conversations we want to have. That's that's the kind of stuff we want to talk about. I'm like, come on, this is a, this is one of the things that we originally started this podcast for was we want to have a blast and we want to talk about all the goofy stuff and all the pop culture, but we also want to talk about that stuff that nobody else is talking about for real. Um, everybody kind of talks around it or talks above it, like they high road you on it. Um, so I heard him discuss this, and my immediate thought is I've got to bring this up with with uh, Father Chuck and JP because I feel like this is a topic that just fits us and is kind of the thing to to explore for a minute. And it's the talking to people like Dan Harmon who have this view of a God who allows or purposely makes his sister mentally handicapped and makes people have leukemia, um, in his words, because he's bored. Like a God who's powerful and has nothing better to do but these horrible things once in a while, like to prove that he's God and you're not. 
Um, so I, I'm putting it out there. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to the same episode. Like I said, I, I'm a huge follower of Dan Harmon and his work, and I love the podcast Harmon Town. It's it, it sounds dramatic, but I actually the uh, Harmon Town sort of kind of saved my life in a way. <laughs> uh, like reinvigorated my love for writing and being creative in a time when I kind of just I gave up on it. Um, uh, if I hadn't found Harmontown, I would probably would not be involved with this podcast at all. <clears throat> uh, so that's how much that podcast means to me. And, and, and so, yeah, I have listened to the episode and I, I know exactly what Matt is talking about. And um, I just find it, I find it really interesting um, because Dan Harmon, the man, um, is really, he's actually where I got the phrase, um, religion is your relationship with the mysteries of the universe. I got that from him because he said that on, on a few of his episodes. And so I'm always kind of, I'm, I'm really fascinated that he does. I mean, I, I don't think he's, he's not just being poetic when he says he believes in a God that is that way. I think he actually does believe that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the way he references it in passing and other shows, um, I think that's very much his view on God. And even said, like, even his therapist is telling him, like, you're, you're basically afraid of God. And it's interesting how it ties back into his creativity and lack and just sort of lack of motivation and stuff. But um, I don't know, like... Uh, I don't know how to begin to confront that, to be honest, because <laughs> I'm not, I've never really been in that position. I'm actually interested in what, what Chuck has to think, just hearing it from you um, I'm as sorry. a priest. Yeah, Clary Starling is like going into the basement. Um, and, <laughs> sorry. She is pointing her gun directly into our face while we're having this discussion. I'm sorry, it is very distracting while you guys talk about this. I'm like watching Sounds of the Lambs. Um, <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> Cover up my head. That's all right. I, uh, I no, I have to learn. I have to learn to focus. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, that's a view into our brains. If you're curious <laughs> yeah. about how we work while we're having these discussions all the time, there's some movie playing in our heads that's distracting us from well, the whole thing. It makes me think of a friend of mine, um, um, Scott from college, who um, very devout Catholic guy, and he talked about how sometimes he would wrestle with whether or not he should receive communion at church because. He's like, I'm distracted sometimes. I'm not really paying attention. <clears throat> and I don't know if I should receive communion while I'm like sort of spacing out in church. And he said, but the thing is, it's like in my mind is like, if I don't go get, if I don't go up to receive communion, then the people around me are, are going to think that I'm like, you know, like, am I, am I a murderer? Have I been like sleeping with hookers? Have I been doing all this stuff? And he's like, and he's like, you know, but when really all's going on in my head is I'm like, man, super bad was so funny. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. so, so that's, it, this is the kind of thing I think about too. Cause like in church, this is the same kind of deal. It's like, I'll, you know, sometimes you sit there in church, even, even at the pastor and you're just like, and you're like, why, why, why did Hannibal Lecter mispronounce Chianti? Like, why did he do that? Is that, was there intent behind that? Anyway. Let it go. Let it go. So we, we talked about this before this episode started, um, listeners, in case you're wondering. Um, so I, um, but to talk about this question, I think it's a good question. And Matt, when you when you when you mentioned this to us earlier this morning, I um, 
I, by the way, it was very early when you were doing that. I, I'm sure JP was not awake. I was awake. Um, I was on the tri-rail on my way to uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University for morning prayer. Um, and, and I saw all of your messages, but I was, I was um, trying to prep a sermon for a morning prayer service. So, like, um, it, was, it was just like bzz, bzz, bzz at me. But um, um, I um, so th- today's has been a day of distractions. Um, but it, but what it, but what it made me think about was um, I and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I spent a significant amount of my life scared of God, sort of not for the same reasons Dan Harmon is. Um, like I've never believed that God intentionally gives people leukemia. Um, I don't know if I never believed that, but I don't believe that now. Um, <clears throat> but I was like super scared of the rapture. Super scared that I wasn't gonna make it, but I was also kind of scared of heaven. Have I told? Have we talked? Have I talked about this on the podcast? Yeah, we. I think we have because I think I actually kind of expressed some of the same views you did. Yeah, because no, like, JP about, was afraid of cocoon. Yeah, well, it still is. I'm also afraid of cocoon. <laughs> um, um, but no, I was, I was, I was, I was afraid of heaven mostly because my fear was like, what if, what if it's lame? <laughs> And I'm stuck there. Like, what if I don't find it enjoyable? Uh, but, which is such a Chuck, silly belief. Heaven, but Chuck, heaven is like an endless church service. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's when people said that. And I thought, yeah, you know, maybe maybe hell's not such a bad idea. Um, and then oh, we come God. back on white horses with Uzis and we just mow down all the non-believers. Yeah, again. that's right. We talked about this. This is this is all starting to sound very familiar to me. But I um, created a whole narrative. It's great. <clears throat> <laughs> but no, but I think that I'm, I mean, it gets to a really interesting question because the thing behind it is Dan Harmon's got this fear. He's got his own psychological issues. But the real question for us, um, especially for the, the two of us who are, you know, people who have gone through theological education and, and have, you know, dedicated lives to ministry and things like that. Um, the, the question behind that is, is that how God actually is? And what do you mm-hmm. say to someone who believes in a God like that? Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about Dan Harmon is that this view is very, like, it's not a minority view in the sense that there are lots of people out there who think that the God, that the God depicted in, like, say, you know, the, some of these, you know, the God of the Old Testament or whatever, is this wrathful, judgmental God who will do stuff like this. Um. But when you often hear about that, it's people rejecting that vision of God. This is Dan Harmon saying that he actually kind of believes that this is how God actually is and that God might be real. And that's a very strange thing. Yeah, no, he, I mean, the way he says it, he fully accepts, it seems, it appears that he fully accepts that that's how God is and is just afraid of how he's going to face a relationship with that. Yeah, that's that's such a fascinating thing because, I mean, it raises like again, it raises a whole bunch of questions. Like, do does that does that mean on one hand that like those of us who say that we don't believe in God that way, is that us just sort of redefining God to make him more palatable to us? Is God actually like that? Because I mean, I, this morning um, for morning prayer, I mentioned that um, one of the re- one of our readings was um, from Exodus, and it was the plagues. It was the plagues of the hailstones. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, that you have the plagues and God just straight up does this to people because he wants, because he's trying to punish Pharaoh for not letting the Israelites go. And so, you know, what do we do with that? Because we're going to say that that's the same God. That's the God that Jesus incarnates. And that sounds right. an and awful I've, lot like the God that Dan Harmon's talking about. And I've, I've heard mm-hmm. that mantra before that, like, God has not changed since then. Right. And that he's fully capable of still doing the same thing today or something. Right. And I mean, it's but it's telling. I will say the one thing that 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 struck me in the reading this morning is something I hadn't noticed is that God tells Moses and Moses tells Pharaoh that um, that there's going to be this horrific hailstorm that's going to rain down on on um, on the Egyptians and he says, so any animals or slaves or crops that are outside are going to be destroyed. So if you, then God's basically, so if you don't want that to happen, bring your people and your animals inside and they'll be fine. Right. So like there's that there. So it, it, it's, it's interesting that in the midst of this punishment, God is also, also provides an escape. He's not just bitter, you know, like hatred toward all Egyptians. There is a, there is a touch of mercy in this. And, and so the idea, so I guess what my issue is, is that is particular, my particular issue around the idea of Dan Harmon saying that God gives people leukemia because he's bored. Like, I, I can't, I can't be on, I can't like, there's no way that that's in any way, shape or form accurate. Like, I just can't believe that. And I don't even think that's reflected in scripture. Right. Like, it, like if God were to afflict people with uh, disease, he does so for a purpose, not because he's bored. And that, and that's the thing is I think it, his, his statement takes it to such an even further level than what you usually hear people's complain about. Right. Like you usually hear about God being such an angry God that he punishes people with things like leukemia. Um, Dan Harmon takes it a step past that and is like, oh, no, he's just bored. Like, he's, it's not even that he's punishing you. He just is bored. Like, he's powerful, he's bored, and he, this is what he does. Um, yeah, it's just it's such an extreme view of well, the whole thing. It is, but, in, but at the same time, it's also, it's also very much into the idea of, of, of sovereignty, of, a, of God is mm-hmm. sovereign. God can do whatever God mm-hmm. wants. And if God is born, mm-hmm. wants to give you leukemia, that's what you can do. And I know Matt and JP are smirking because they know where I'm about to go with this. Yes, I do. One, <laughs> something I have not done in a while is when, make fun of Calvinists. Chuck brings up the word sovereign, ladies and gentlemen, we're only heading one direction and it's going to get bumpy. Hold on. Here we go. But Hit us with it. You know, Calvinism, but the, uh, the, but I, but, but not just any Calvinism. I mean, it's like Phoebe Herman, the the word of the day. I think of, (laughs) no, but I mean, not just like in general, not like just like the smug Calvinist, you know, long beard, craft brew drinking, talking about predestination Calvinist that you see these days. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the, the like, the like cotton Mather, like Puritan of the, like the early colonial period um, in America. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Cotton Mather. Yes. Um, <clears throat> of course. Of course. Do you guys <laughs> no, know who no. Cotton Mather is? No, I really don't. What? Really? 
It's like yeah. a major figure in American history. Ew. Sorry. What? I went to school in Florida. I, I... <laughs> you also went to, you also went to, uh, we talked, I learned about Cotton Mather in, at PBA. You guys must not have Which been. Which class? T-Bird didn't teach me about that, bro. Humanities. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay, fine. Anyway, Cotton Mather was a Puritan leader in the it just whatever. So, but the Puritans, the pure like Cotton Mather was famous for for like I mean he was like of the kind of the, the stripe of people that would be like all for the Salem witch trials. I mean, but okay. this kind of vision of God where if you're not obeying God, then punishment is going to happen to you. That's the sort of approach that we're talking about here and. Um, and that, that's a, there, and there are still a number of Christians uh, today who they might not say it as bluntly as Dan Harmon, but functionally their vision of God is probably not all that different. Oh, hell yeah. I agree with that. Um, I've talked to those people like, yeah, I, I, I yeah, you're 100%. Oh, God can do whatever God yeah. wants. If God wants to give me leukemia, that's a, that's God's prerogative because God is sovereign. God gets to do whatever God wants and we just have to yeah. live with it. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, the sovereign, the, the doctrine of sovereignty of God does give us, Hey Matt, um, he's, he's <laughs> on screen now. Um, the, 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 but the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, yes, it does create space for that to, I guess, be the reality but at the same time, we are also shown that the nature of God is that God is merciful and just and forgiving and all of that. So, so yeah, in theory, God could, in the traditional Christian view, God could be the sort of God that if God wanted, God could give people leukemia because he's bored. But... The but but the but the promises and the hope and the things that we get out of scripture don't reflect that reality. That that's not the kind of character that God has, and that well, one God doesn't get bored. I mean that's that's also plain and simple. Um, but I know that's it's just such a it's just such a fascinating thing, and I and I'm and I'm really intrigued by the sense that yes, we've acknowledged that there are Christians who you know, again, functionally believe this about God. They might say it so explicitly. And there's a real discussion around whether or not that's a valid view of God or if it's what's reflected in Scripture. Or it's just an excuse not to get back to your screenplay. Or 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 that. Because <laughs> Dan Harvey doesn't want to write a that, screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you writing your screenplay, Dan? I'm afraid of a relationship with God who wants to kill me. That's no excuse. You have a contract. That's kind of funny, actually. I really like this. His statement took my mind in like a million different directions. And like Chuck was saying, that's why his phone just kept buzzing while he's on the, the train trying to accomplish something useful. I'm buzzing messages at him. At, um, what was it six something in the morning? 7.03 um, a.m. Because my mind just wouldn't stop. And one of the, one of the routes it took is the, the concept of Zimzum, which, um, uh, again, uh, another name we mention a lot on the show, Rob Bell it's wrote a, a book called Zimzum of love. It's the Z-I-M-Z-U-M. Zimzum. <laughs> and he, he, he talks about how the concept originally he heard shoes. about it. <laughs> it's that's Zimzum. 
Um, but the the concept was originally like this ancient rabbi concept of a space that. Well, let me start over. There, it's it's basically the idea that in order for God to create something, because God is everything, He's all encompassing. So in order for God to create something, he first had to create a space that is not God. And that space they call Zimzum. Um, so there's a space that isn't God so that he could then create something that is outside of God. Otherwise, if, if God is all things, it, it, we would literally all be God, which I know um, is not my theological understanding of humanity, and I do not believe that a tree is God or that a rock is God. Um, so if God is all-encompassing, there has to be something outside of himself. If he's all-powerful, if there's only one God, um, there has to be something separate from him. So their belief is he had to create a space that is not him, and then he could fill that space with everything we know as creation, the universe, humanity. Um, but this concept to me makes sense when you're talking about things like suffering and mental illness and the evil that humanity does, um, is the idea that God has created uh, everything that we know to be was created by him. And I believe that he is all sovereign. Look, I scared Chuck away. I just totally... <laughs> He just left the podcast. He's not even he's not even there anymore. Okay, okay, Sorry, I, I had to, I had to grab but, a resource. Yeah, um, but uh, lost my train of thought for a second. Give me one second. Get back on. Zim zim created space. Create, um, um, you said that you do. The, the, this idea fits with the suffering and stuff because God created everything that we know, and I believe that God is fully sovereign, that he can do whatever he wants to do. But I also am of the belief, and there's people that would get angry at me for saying this, um, am of the belief that because of his desire to create and to allow us to have free will and to allow us to have our humanity and our choice and our um, ability to make our decisions and to, to act out our lives and to learn and to grow and to truly love him because we see him for who he is. He has created. And then when mankind rebelled against his plan, he has allowed us to go that way. Um, so I believe that he's sovereign in the sense that he can do whatever he wants, but he's allowed us to kind of control a portion of the narrative in the sense that he's allowed us to rebel and go down this road. And there's consequences that come with that. And I don't think that things like leukemia, I'm, I'm just not of the belief that God is like, yeah, I'm going to give this person leukemia and I'm going to give this person leukemia and I'm going to give this person leukemia like and Oprah. they need to suffer more than this person. Needs. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Oprah, You get a God. terminal disease and you get a terminal <laughs> disease. But, but I just, I, I don't, I, I can't buy into the idea of a God who sits in heaven picking people to have leukemia just because, oh, yeah, that's my plan. I'm bored. They're going to have it. Um, I do believe that sometimes people who suffer through something accomplish such amazing things that I can believe that for some reason they were chosen to go through that because of the hope and stuff that they offered other people. 
and the, the way that it shapes and changes our society and humanity. I do believe that sometimes it has a purpose. I also believe sometimes horrible things just happen. And I think it's because of what humanity has done. And God, I think what we see in scripture is a God who is not sitting there going, yes, I'm ha- making this happen to you, but a God who's weeping alongside us while it happens. A God who's who's like holding on to us and crying while we're going through it. Um, and I think we see that even in Jesus when he's crying that Lazarus died. We get an example of a God who obviously is sovereign, he can raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet he cries first because it shows this understanding of this This is how things are, and it hurts. There's a lament, a, a pain, and we see God experience that um, in that moment. And I think that that's what Scripture shows is a God who's weeping along with his people. He, he's, he's crying when we cry out to him. Um, and he's saying, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Not a God who's going, ha ha, look there, see there, see what happened? That's what you get. Um, that, that's just, it's, that's not what I see. Yeah. But, well, well, and as you're talking about this ZimZoom concept, concept, um, I've not read Rob Bell's book on ZimZoom. Um, but well, it, he, he, he only uses a concept loosely anyway. Right. He introduced, he introduces <clears throat> the concept, what it originally was. And then for the purposes of his book, it's an entirely, it has nothing to do with that. Okay. But the original concept was the ancient understanding of God creating a space that is not God. Well, it, it, it made me think of, and that's what, and I, what I ran off to go grab was um, this book, which is um, um, book 3.3 of Karl Barth's Church Dogmatics, um, where he writes about the nihil or the nothing, the nothingness. Um, and... I've read it several times, and I have a, I'm still trying to wrap my head around Karl Barth's concept. For those who don't know Karl Barth, Karl Barth was um, probably the most important theologian of the 20th century. Um, German theologian um, wrote this great summation of the Christian faith known as the Church Dogmatics. Um, he was one of the first Protestant theologians to be seriously um, treated seriously by the, by, by the Roman Catholic Church and, and others. Um, but anyway, he... Um, he he writes he writes about this idea that you know so when god created something so when something exists there has to be nothing because in order for something to have space in definition there has to be the opposite there has to be no no thing right something no thing and that it's out of that nothingness that it's it's as he says, it's comprehended by God, um, but it's not. It's but it is an alien factor. Um, it's and but it's out of that is where is sort of where the evil and the pain and all that stuff in, in creation comes from. Um, that it's that it's it's a consequence of things being made, and again, it's not outside of God's comprehension. Um, but it's not necessarily a thing that like God is directly orchestrating to happen. Um, if I, if I understand Bart correctly, I could be talking heresy at this point and getting Bart completely wrong. But, um, um, is it, as a side note, a lot of people have noticed that this is part of the basis behind, um, the never ending story and its idea of nothingness. But, um, 
but I, but it, but to me, it sounds like a similar kind of thing, right? That is what we're saying here is that when God creates in order, and I, and, and, and I like this idea that when God creates, um, God also has to create the space that is not him in order for there to be a distinction between what he makes. And so that thing, that, that space that's between him and the thing he makes is, is if I'm understanding this correctly, is like the nothingness that, that Bart is talking about. Um, but man, we're gonna we're playing some we're playing uh we're playing uh, red play mod uh, Masters Divinity Bingo here because I'm about to mention a Japanese theologian, um, 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 not Kagawa, uh, not Kagawa, but um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, he he writes a book called um, The Theology of the Pain of God, and he talks about this idea of God experiencing pain because. God loves us while we are rebellious toward him and that that inevitably causes a pain to come out of God. And I heard you talking about that, Matt, and that's what made me think of it. Um, yeah, but, well, even, <clears throat> sorry, finish your thought first. But it's, but no, I'm just saying it's, it's, there's not much more to say other than it's obviously like Dan Harmon, there's a pain for him in that, him kind of, you know, acknowledging that his sister, in his words, is mentally retarded and that God and that he feels that God somehow made her that way. Um, and. But the reality is that God did not make her that way. It's it's just a thing that happened and that. God is aware of it. God comprehends it. It's part of his purview. He can, it, it, it's useful to his, to, it, it, it can be used for his purposes of mercy and redemption of creation and all of that. But it's not necessarily like that God touched Dan Harmon's mother in the womb or whatever and was like, and this is what's going to happen to this child. Right. Um, it makes, it, it kind of makes me think of what um, uh, Rabbi Moline, um, and I may have mentioned this before in the podcast, but Rabbi Moline, who taught at my seminary, um, he um, he talked about the we were talking about the, the the earthquake in Haiti in 2011, and he said, "Do I believe in a God in whose that that, that has such a sov- uh, so much power and so much sovereignty that he created the world in such a way that on that day at that time those tectonic plates would shift with that magnitude to cause that level of an earthquake?" Absolutely. He's like, I absolutely believe that about God. He's like, but the substandard housing, um, the, the, the rampant poverty, like all that stuff that, that, that happened in Haiti that led to all that death, he said, that's on us. That's not on God. To, to sum all this up, I've been thinking about this, a lot of this stuff um, frequently the pa- in the past year or so. And what my conclusion, my, my feelings on everything is that what God calls us to is to be in harmony. Um, he calls us to be in harmony with, with the movement of creation. And I can talk more about why, where, where I come from with that. Um, but that, that there is a trajectory to creation and our job is to be harmonious with it. But the problem is that we often go against the flow of creation. Um, we try to, we try to, we try to change the movement or, or alter the course or do all these other things. And that's what, and that's what change and that's what affects us. And so, and that, and that causes 
you know, it, it spirals out to all these other issues in, in life. Um, and so, you know, we don't know the causes that, all, that, you know, all the different things that could lead to people being born with certain disabilities and whatnot. I mean, it could be, you know, it could be the product of mistakes that we made as a species centuries ago that have somehow affected our genetics and, you know, or, or whatever. We don't know. Um, but that doesn't mean that God is not, that God doesn't have a purpose and a plan within it that we can work with. And that yeah. we can be harmonious. It could just mean our own attitudes have to be adjusted. Right, right. Right. And because, because to me, like, because I, where I go with this is the one way in which we historically have opposed God's trajectory in this stuff is when we came up with things like eugenics. Right. Um, and so, anyway, so Matt, I know you have like three, stu- three thoughts, so. Yeah, I, they, they just keep hit you keep hitting me with them, though, because uh, the statement you just made where... Um, the person teaching said that does he believe in a God that could create a world that's like on this day at this time there's going to be this earthquake he's like yes but the the substandard housing and the rampant poverty and all that that's on us and as soon as you said that all I thought about again was your comment on the plagues mm-hmm. how God's like look the hail's coming all you got to do is bring them inside Right, um, and and he's kind of like, look, the earthquake's coming. All you got to do is take care of your people. Um, and so I find that, first of all, that interesting parallel there. That could probably be another four-hour discussion. Um, but then the other thing I thought about, we're talking about this concept of God creating and there being this space, and and I could not help but my mind is drawn to Christ on the cross. Um, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And obviously we know that God did not forsake Christ on the cross. He didn't literally like turn his back on him and leave him because he he is God and, and he's on the cross. And yet there's this God being fully human part also where God invaded the space that he is not in. Um, he He became part of it and then when he's on the cross, he took on the very thing that separated us from him to begin with. And it's kind of this glimpse into that space, if you will, that nothingness of him going, why have you forsaken me? Like where it, it's, it, I don't know. To me, there's, there's something there. There's a view into that space in that statement. There's a view into, into the fact that there is there is a separation. There is because we, you know, you hear, oh, God is everywhere all the time. But they're, but then they're like, but you're separate from God. So these people who even talk about how it's not possible for God to not be in full control of everything use terms that contradict that in and of themselves because they're like, um, we've separated ourselves from God through sin. It's like, well, how do we separate ourselves if he is fully sovereign, then he separated us. We didn't separate ourselves from him. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. their, their own, their own logic doesn't even make sense to me, but it's just, yeah, it's just my, my view of God is a God who is, is loving, merciful, gracious, and there is anger, but, but it's always bent toward reconciliation and, and healing. It's, even when he's angry, it's to move things toward 
unity in the end. Like the anger is directed toward a purpose. It's not anger that's going to cause chaos and discord and cause more issues and more problems. It's anger that's directed correctly toward fixing things. That's that's yeah. the anger that we see expressed. Well, and I think of it. Um, I, there's a there's a sermon from Don from Donald Miller, um, uh, evangelical author that um, was very big for a lot of us when we were in college. Um, that I've listened to several. I've listened to this sermon of his from um, actually from Rob Bell's church um, many many years ago. I've listened to it. Um, I actually just found an old, um, my old iPod Nano um, that still works, and it had it on there. If wow. I had to listen to it again, but the sermon is called "God is Fathering Us," and it's that language of father and how that's important because. What, what fathers do. And so that means that, that, you know, God is cast in that image as a father. Um, and sometimes that involves rebuke and things like that. And I, and as you're talking about, I was thinking about even just this evening, I took Charlie, um, uh, my, my, my oldest son, we're, um, there's a lake here, a little pond in front of our church here on the campus of the school where we live. And, um, I've taken to fishing in the, in the pond, and Charlie's been coming with me. I'm teaching him how to fish. And he frequently gets distracted and he gets the most, I mean, just amazing tangles in his fishing line. I don't know. It <laughs> defies physics how this child manages to get these knots in his fishing line. Um, or he like runs around and almost trips and falls into the water and he doesn't know how to swim yet. So I'm like super paranoid about all that. And plus it's like pond scummy and all of that. So I'm frequently, you know, hollering at the kid and it sounds like anger but it's it's out of a desire for one him to be safe you know because when he's running down a hillside i can just see that one trip means he's going to fall into this nasty lake that i'm gonna have to jump in and try to rescue him from um you know holler at him and say don't run i mean obviously that's that's a that's that's an important piece and it's you know yeah it sounds like anger but it's trying to direct him but even then like when i'm hot you know if i holler at him like charlie don't swing your fishing pole around like that because you know i know that if he gets a tangle it means he's not gonna be able to cast his line he's not gonna have fun and and so it's all it's all in me trying to make sure that he you know he does what he's supposed to do because i know that if he does what he's supposed to do he'll get more enjoyment out of the experience than if he's just allowed to kind of do whatever he wants and that's all to me and taking it to a theological level consistent with how i've come to see that that creation has a trajectory and what I mean by that is it, it kind of blew my mind a few months ago. I was reading, um, I was reading Genesis, Genesis 1, um, and I was looking at it in Hebrew, and it dawned on me that the way it's written in Hebrew, it's hard to convey in English the way, like the intention, but the way it comes across in Hebrew is that when God creates in, in Genesis, it's not like we, we have this tendency because of the King James Bible to think of creation as God speaks and like the planets and the stars and like all this stuff that it comes out of his mouth. He sort of, he projects creation into the ether. He, 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 you know, he imposes creation, but the Hebrew is less about that and more about God calls creation into existence. And so you know, God has put all of the, you know, all of the matter and everything that he's going to make everything with. He, it's out there. But then God speaks and it responds to him. And by responding to him, you know, he says, let there be light. And so, you know, whatever the preexistent matter of creation is, whatever, it, it, it assembles itself as light because it obeys him. And that because the whole thing is cast in the language of Torah, 
it's a law, it's a rule, it's a commandment, and we're supposed to follow God's commands. And so it's all put in that, in that paradigm. And so, so that means that creation has this trajectory of being in harmony with what God wants it to be, which, by the way, this vision allows for evolution, like completely. Like it actually speaks beautifully and is very harmonious with the theory of evolution, that the, the theory of evolution as Darwin understood it, as we understand it today, is you know, things moving toward a certain goal sounds like, you know, things are moving to follow after what God's voice called it to do. Um, and so, so there's a, there's this trajectory that we're supposed to be a part of. There's this harmony we're supposed to be in with. And when we're not in harmony, God is like, Hey, you know, stop tangling your fishing line. Hey, stop running and tripping and almost falling in the lake. Hey, you know, we, I, you know, God's trying to get our attention and get us to see what we're supposed to be doing. And so that's why like, I hear you, Matt. And it's, it's, it's not that God is wrathful and angry for the sake of being wrathful and angry, but that God is wrathful because he's trying to get us to understand and see something and to be in the place right. where he wants us to be, because he knows that being in that place means that we're going to experience peace, liberation, truth, like all this stuff that we're looking for. But the problem is we keep to try to look for it on our own. And he's just sort of like, hey, numbskull, it, it's over here. Yeah. Um, and then and then along those same lines, using the analogy that you're using, um, certain things that happen, horrible things that happen that people want to be like, see, God's doing that to punish us. I see it more as those are the moments when God allows us to run and we trip. Um, right. It's like he, he has the... He has the sovereign ability to stop us from running in the same way that I have the ability to hold my son down and keep him from ever running. But he allows us to go. And sometimes that involves tripping and falling and scraping knees and breaking bones and knocking out teeth. Like horrible things happen when kids are out playing. Um, but sometimes you have to allow them to experience the life that they're choosing to live so that right. they can grow and grow and mature and, and become the person they're going to come. And there's risk with that. And I feel like creation, if you're, if you believe in the sovereign God who created things in his image, then you have to believe that the very way things work is, is a reflection of how God works. And if we, allow our children to grow and become adults by allowing them to do certain things on their own outside of our control, then you have to, in my opinion, you have to see that as a reflection of how God allows things to go the way they're going um, because he has created us. We've made a choice and he's allowing those to be carried out very much inside his will because we can't mess up his plan for the trajectory where things are going but he allows them to go like right. it's not to it's not to say he doesn't because I do believe we do have to come to terms to an extent with the fact that he allows things to happen. Yeah, like you oh, could totally. say, well, then you could say, well, then he's a horrible God because he allows these horrible sufferings to happen. And it's again, it's like, well, that's like the parent who allows their kid to go out with their friends. Um, sometimes you've got to allow them to go and you hope that they make the right choice, but you've got to allow them to go. Right. Um, and he knows the choices we're going to make, but I believe that they work hand in hand in a way that's just hard for us to understand as human beings because we have finite minds. But he he's allowing us to to live our life. It it's and funny. He, 
sorry. Zarathustra. Sorry, just made me, it made me think. Um, my friend Josh um, um, got me to listen to this podcast called um, um, A New Player Has Entered the Game or something like that. It's a video game podcast. And um, it's pretty funny. Um, but this the episode that I listened to was about the X-Men game for Sega Genesis, which is like famously terrible. And the host said that he was so excited to get X-Men and Sega Genesis. He was 10 years old when it came out. And so he went and he sold his NES and all of his accessories in order to get enough money to buy a Sega Genesis and the copy of the X-Men game. And he was like, as minute he played it, he was super disappointed. And that was like the realization that that was the first time that things that he anticipated could suck. And, and he said, and he said, and, and, and his mom was just pretty much like, well, what did you expect? Um, just sort of like, this is the bed you're going to lay in it. Um, and, uh, it just, it just maybe there was just kind of a funny, it was kind of a funny, uh, interchange and, you know, we've all been there in our own experiences, but that, yeah, sometimes God does allow us to sell our NES so we can buy a crappy, crappy X-Men game. <laughs> uh, JP, I, I, you, you're just kind of like hanging out. <laughs> I've played that game. It does suck. <laughs> the episode's funny because it mentions how he's like, I'm playing Wolverine and I pop his claws out and suddenly there's a meter counting down. Like what? I can't, I can't use my claws the whole time. Like wait, what, what, when, when was that in the comics? Yeah. And rogue is like an assist character. Like, yeah. Stupid. <laughs> I think nightcrawler was the same way. I think, uh, <clears throat> uh yeah. Uh, this is all very good. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, I I totally hijacked your episode, JP. We have like, I've got like five it's, minutes. No big deal. It's not my episode. It's <laughs> our episode. <laughs> so so full disclosure, why I only have like five, ten more minutes left. It's yeah. so I can see Tomb Raider. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I may be I may be in the parking lot of a theater this whole time. Well, uh, so yeah, I think this episode has done a pretty good job of uh, capturing the essence of our first episode. <laughs> uh, I, re- I really far less creaking chairs that. though. I, yeah. No, JP's creaked a couple like, times, which no, I thought was fitting. And doesn't sound like we, we're on the Titanic. We covered Genesis. We covered pop culture. We covered <laughs> Japanese theology. <laughs> Uh, I, I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Are we on a freaking pirate ship? <laughs> the old clipper ship. The belly of an old clipper ship. Salted ham, um, creaky ship. I was going to bring up uh, how you guys felt about the possibility of Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek getting an R rating because I thought it'd be kind of funny. Oh, uh, R rated. Yeah, no, that would be. Yeah, I. Uh, God, just but, start... the, but people are saying it's not true, though, so. There's no way. I've just. I, I, here's the thing: is no. If there is one property that exists that does that has no business ever being rated R, it's Star Trek. Yeah, I could probably see that. I guess. Uh, At I, least, I, uh, yeah. I will say I agree, but the only time I'd be willing to risk it and see what happens is if it's Tarantino. This is fair. Because why well, it's rated R could make the big difference. So. Well, um, I mean, Simon Pegg was was interviewed recently, and they asked him if it's going to be an R-rated movie, and he said he didn't believe so. So I just don't even know how you do that. How like 
Unless you show like gruesome Klingon murder or something, I just don't know how you do an R-rated Star Trek. <laughs> just language, just I a bunch guess. of cussing, bunch of cussing they, Star Trek. Be very, in very in very all of this, I learned they dropped the f bomb in 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 Discovery. Wait, did they really? Uh, apparently, a character just casually drops the f bomb in an episode of Star Trek Discovery, and like fans are kind of upset by it. All right, well, that's been an episode. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for uh, listening, and thank you so much if you've been with us since the beginning. Thank you for staying with us for two years. Uh, I know that we've all enjoyed doing this, um, and we're, we're going to keep doing it. And probably, uh, I don't know, we're going to try to do things a little bit more frequently. <laughs> we're going to yeah. try to get back into a more routine. We're going to experiment with some platforms. Um, I'll just go ahead and say I'm thinking about kind of moving us uh, to YouTube so we could be a bit more accessible and hopefully hopefully expand our audience. And I am also thinking about signing us up. Oh, I'm not thinking about it. I'm going to try to do it. Sign us up for Patreon. Uh, I, just gotta need, I just need to come up with ideas of how to uh, uh, give people an incentive to donate to us, uh, what we can offer. Maybe yeah, just... we can give them video recordings or something or I don't know. Now, if you have any ideas, let us know. What, what would you like from us if you if you were to donate to our podcast for two dollars a month, dedicate two dollars a month to our podcast? What would you like in return? They could only be exclusively for you. Let us know. Yeah. T- tweet at us, Facebook us, whatever. Yep. Text and, us as 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 uh, on our Masters Divinity uh, uh, accounts or is it individuals. Yeah. We will we will accept we will accept all of your spam. Exactly. Uh, so I want to end this episode by saying uh, thank you, Father Trust. You're welcome. And thank you, Matt Wells. You're welcome. Have a wonderful week and good journey. Good, 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 good journey. journey. Enjoy Tomb Raider, Matt. Mm-hmm.